This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Wow. Hello. Holy smokes. Welcome to the first ever episode of my first ever radio show, America WK. Here I am, Andrew WK. This is completely mind-blowing for me. I am just astounded that I've been given this opportunity. I am extremely thankful, feel very lucky, just over the moon excited that you are here for this first ever episode of this show. Let's get into it. I want to tell you about who I am for starters so you can try to get some sense of how the heck I wound up here. Uh, It really doesn't make any sense. And actually, that's probably what's most exciting about it to me. I am a rock and roll musician. That's the easiest way to explain who I am. Or maybe I should say I'm a person who has played rock and roll music as a a career for about the last 15 years. I started with piano lessons at age four and turned that into one of my main interests in life. But actually, I didn't even expect to go into a career, never even really dreamed of going into a career in music, uh, let alone having that lead to a career in anything else, including talking to you right now. But before we do that, uh, allow me just to tell you a little bit about me personally so we can get to be familiar with one another. First of all, I want to say I'm not really qualified to have a radio show, not any more than than, than you're qualified or anyone else. Uh, I'm not an expert. I'm not very well educated. And I went, never went to college or university, not formally educated on any particular topics, maybe besides music, and that was just basic training. I'm not, you know, certainly not well-versed at all in politics or in, I would say, important world events or world history. All I could say is that, like anybody, I am very interested in being alive and think about it a lot. In fact, that's probably the main thing I'm interested in about life is life itself. And I imagine that you probably share a lot of the same thoughts. And even if we don't agree on everything, I mean, actually, I don't really take my opinions too seriously on anything. Um, At least not to the extent that they would slow me down from finding out more. And that's really what I hope to get out of this radio show in, in terms of being your host. I would like to learn. It finally seems like time I should start to learn. I'm quite naive, I think almost uh, childlike in my outlook on the world, and I'm not proud of that. sort of just is what it is. Um, When you have so much time during the day to spend doing whatever it is that you have to do, you might uh, not have the chance to find out or study other parts about life. So I, I really look forward to finally being educated about so much of the stuff that I've been, you know, missing out on. And it may have been my own choice to have my head in the sand, but no longer. I am here to learn. I'm not here to teach you anything, that's for sure. I don't I don't have much to offer. I mean, we'll talk about life and we'll talk about the world, but I consider this a, a real two-way street, and I, I, I humbly ask for your instruction, for your feedback, for your insights into uh, all these areas of life. But with that being said, on this show, despite it be called America WK, I'm just an American, one who's extremely thankful 
to have been born here. I really don't think I would be speaking to you at all about anything if I hadn't had the chance to grow up in in this country, uh, especially being a rock and roll musician and especially uh, having met people on my travels that have been uh, born other places. Some people that were born places where rock and roll music is illegal. It has really opened my eyes to how uh, fortunate I've been, how privileged we all are to get to take part in this incredible adventure of a country. Uh, and really, I wouldn't exist if it wasn't for this. And that is made more and more clear to me every day. I was born in California, Stanford, California, in 1979. So I'm almost 36 years old. By the time you're hearing this, I probably will be 36 years old. I'm actually in Michigan right now. I moved here with my family when I was four years old. My dad teaches at uh, the University of Michigan, and uh, I lived here until age 18. And at that point, I moved to New York City. It was always my dream. Ever since seeing the Big Apple portrayed in movies and in television, uh, just the mythical city of the West, I wanted to go there. It just seemed like that was the place to go. And when I went there at age 18, I actually didn't really have a plan. I, I, of course, like anyone at that age, I had really contemplated going to college. I had actually applied and been accepted at a couple schools, but they weren't located in New York, and I really wanted to be there. So I went and uh, visited. My sister at the time lived there and eventually just decided to move there and decided I would figure out life as I went along. And again, at this point, I didn't really have any plan, despite my musical training, despite, I guess, some experience in the visual arts and crafts. I didn't know what I wanted to do or be. I, I had a very open slate, uh, which I suppose is, is good for that age if you can sort of carry on or have the support behind you to experiment. Uh, I, I don't feel like I was... Uh, unmotivated. I was actually quite driven, just wasn't sure what I was driving at. And that's what's very interesting about life. Sometimes you just know you want to do something big. You, you want to be able to devote yourself to something. You want to have a mission, a purpose, ultimately one that you hope is bigger than yourself, bigger than just making a living, bigger than trying to be successful. You want to, you want to have a purpose that that pulls out the best in you. And I was looking for that. I was trying to find it. Turns out that searching for it really didn't work. I worked at a bunch of odd jobs in New York City, sort of hoping that one of them may turn out to be my calling in life. Uh, I was still playing music, of course, for fun. I mean, once you kind of learn how to play music, it's sort of like learning how to read. It just becomes this second nature activity that you imagine you always do in life, whether you turn it into a career or not. But there was this feeling in the air that I was supposed to do something, uh, dedicate my life to a cause. And uh, what ended up happening was the cause called to me. It turned out that I was meant to be an entertainer. Never in a million years would that have ever been on my radar, even just a few months uh, earlier. It, it all happened quite quickly in a way that I really feel was quite mysterious. I mean, I can't take credit for it. I never set out with this lifelong dream or lifelong plan to do X, Y, and Z, and I was going to get there one way or another. When I look back, the more I look back on my life, the way life has gone, and, and also the life of other people I've seen, it seems like there was something pulling, pulling us, pulling me where I was meant to go. And it was a 
a rather humbling experience to realize that maybe I wasn't as in control of my life as I thought or would have liked to think. You want to be able to take credit for the good things that happened to you, even though you realize other people were involved, other circumstances, including just good old-fashioned good luck. But sometimes it just was undeniable that I was benefiting from some indescribable kind of force. I guess that can be called destiny. And that is the difference between doing what I want to do or doing what I feel like I'm supposed to do and then doing what you are meant to do. And I really hope that uh, that each of us, that everybody in the world has an opportunity to, has the freedom really, to follow that type of of desire. It's a subtle desire because, again, it doesn't emerge from, I want to do this, I want to do that. It emerges from a sense of almost submitting to your own fate, to what you were designed or perhaps even put on the earth in the first place to take part in. And it seems like somehow or another, once you turn yourself over to that, it just will pull you light speed ahead. And I guess it's frightening because you don't know exactly what's coming next, but you have, you have faith that it was meant to be. Uh, it certainly becomes uh, an exciting adventure to be on when you uh, can feel like you're in good hands. Even when it's scary, you sort of have a, a trust that there's no coincidence here. There's no accidents. There's no really mistakes because even the parts that are hard or challenging of life are going to lead to something good. They've led me to you right now. This is good for me. Hope you're enjoying it. I will be right back. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Thank you. America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Undisputed King of Party invites you to a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK. All right, welcome back to America WK. This is your host, Andrew WK, on our first ever episode, ever, of any radio show that I've ever done. I, I, I've never gotten to do anything like this again. I, I really cannot express enough how thankful I am to be doing this. So really, thank you for, for being here. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about how this all happened because, it, of course, it really comes down to Mr. Glenn Beck, who gave me this opportunity. I met Glenn when he reached out to have me on his program uh, last year, I guess 2000, was it 2014? Uh, I should admit right now that I have a very, very bad sense of timeline. It's always been like this in my life. I, again, I'm not proud of this either. I see this as a shortcoming. Time to me, as the best I can describe it, is, is, is in terms of dates, uh, in terms of a sequence of events, what happened when. I remember specifics, specific memories uh, very, very clearly. I, I actually would think I have a pretty good memory. But as far as when something happened, it feels like a spiral. It really feels like a spiral to me, like uh, instead of left to right timeline, a traditional passing of time. The whole thing feels like it's kind of going round and round and round. And something like a spiral that happened a long time ago, it could feel like it was just last week because it's a circular sense of time. I don't know. If you imagine taking a timeline that would leave you from the past to the future in a 
very linear left to right motion. Imagine taking that same timeline and twisting it into a spiral. Well, that's how my mind feels uh, right now, at least. It's not necessarily the best feeling. It's quite embarrassing when I can't remember. But anyway, I uh, was asked by Glenn Beck, much to my surprise, to be a guest on his show. And one of the sort of random things that I've gotten to do in my life as a person, whatever it is that I am, I, I call myself a partier, by the way. I want to just explain that. One of my main things is partying. So even though I'm a rock and roll musician, even though now somehow I've become a, a radio host, uh, even though I've done writing and I've done lectures and I've done lots of television stuff, I, I really just consider myself someone who is celebrating life. Uh, I hope you can appreciate the spirit of that. It is not to take life lightly. I don't look at partying as an escape, actually, uh, at all from life, but as a way deeper in, truly just looking around and being fully aware of how incredible it is to not be dead and uh, really trying to make the most of that at all times, keeping it in the center, front and center of your mind. If you think about celebration, you're glad that Friday came around, so you're going to party that night. If you're glad it's your birthday or it's New Year's, a holiday, you celebrate. Well, what if you're glad to just be alive in general? Then you can be in this party state of mind at all times. It was a way that I found a long time ago to cheer me up. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit as I continue to reveal to you more about who the heck I am and how this all happened. But going back to it, uh, I, I write an advice column, a weekly advice column in the Village Voice, that New York weekly newspaper, very legendary paper. And for me, again, moving to New York at age 18, that Village Voice, that was just, I mean, it's free on the sidewalk uh, every Wednesday. And that was just sort of a, a ritual you would get your copy of the Village Voice and read through it. I was most interested in reading uh, the music articles in the back and looking at the music ads. I was always trying to find band members. I placed ads in the Village Voice trying to form my band in uh, the early stages of my music work. And it was just a, a paper that I always enjoyed. Again, never dreamed that I would wind up writing an advice column about life, of all things. But uh, I did. I've been doing it every week uh, for about a year and a half now. And I wrote an article about, well, politics, I guess. But it was uh, a question was sent in by a reader who was complaining about his dad. And he described his dad as a right-wing a-hole and really went on a, a pretty unhinged rant about how much he disliked his dad's view uh, of the world, his political stance, the way he sort of decided to carry himself as an individual, and they clearly were having a very difficult time as father and son. So I wrote a response to that. You can find it on the computer very easily if you just look up uh, Andrew W.K. advice column. It should pop up. It ended up becoming quite, I guess what you call a viral article on the computer. I mean, all of these things are relatively new to me. But uh, out of all people that saw it, Glenn Beck saw it, and he really liked it. Now, just to go back a little further, I remember seeing Glenn Beck on TV, uh, on Fox News. I, I, Again, I never really watched the news that much. I, I certainly watch it more now. But even watching TV wasn't something I did that much growing up. And even if I did watch TV, I, I wouldn't really be able to tell what was going on a lot of the times. I was very interested in news stories and uh, perspectives, and there was definitely entertaining aspects to the passionate debates that would uh, take place on, on, on talking news shows. 
But it would never have been clear to me, for example, up until only very recently that Fox News is uh, considered a Republican or conservative station um, and that uh, MSNBC is a liberal or Democrat uh, Democratic Party station. Th- th- those things, I just never even thought about that. And again, I'm not proud of this. This is not something that I worked at. It just didn't really feel natural to me to look at the world in a way that divided it. That's all I can say. It was just a very instinctual feeling. I tried, I guess, just to approach the world case by case. I don't think that's probably possible. I think that in order to move through life, you probably do have to make generalizations because there's just so much information. Just just sensory information is overloading you. So you do have to kind of uh, group things up, sum things up, and figure things out very quickly in order to actually move through the space of life. But it never really occurred to me to do that when I was encountering TV or articles or individuals. I just sort of figured this is a person talking about whatever they're talking about. But I do remember seeing Glenn Beck, and what I really remember most is not so much what he was talking about, but how he was talking. And I remember one time seeing him cry on TV, and I don't think I had ever seen, personally, someone cry on one of those channels. And that just, it it stuck with me a long time. I don't know that I really pondered it very much, but I never forgot it. And I remembered how his his show looked different. Everything about it just was different. And it made an impression. I I didn't know what he stood for. I didn't really know uh, why someone would like him or hate him or his ideas. I just remember being uh, struck by this individual. And again, never in a million years, ever, 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 would I have imagined that I would ever wind up in any situation where... I would be on that guy's show talking about partying, talking about life, talking about what I've been up to, talking about what he's been up to. But I find that really exciting, that that just things don't have to make sense, that paths don't have to be predictable, that you can wind up experiencing all kinds of areas of the world that you would never really have any business even participating in. And I don't. I'm the first one to say I have no business being here. And yet I'm here. And all I can say is it's just I say yes. I was I said yes when Glenn Beck invited me on his show. I said yes when he offered me this program. I can also say uh, that over all the years, saying yes in general, while not always working out, has generally been a good policy. Because going back to what we were talking about earlier, I think that saying yes allows your destiny to unfold. I think if you put yourself out there, then the forces of destiny will carry you where you're meant to go. If you say no, then it doesn't even have a a chance. There's not even a chance for it to get started. So Glenn Beck had me on his show. We talked about that advice column. We talked about life. And one thing he told me is he said that he was trying to reach out and interact with people and with concepts and ideas and ways of looking at the world that didn't necessarily match with how he thought or how he thinks now. And I thought that was awesome. How can I say no to that? So I consider it a real privilege to be part of this era, uh, not just of Glenn's life or work, but what I hope is an era of this country trying to get along. And not in an ignorant or naive sense, but in an idealistic sense. This is America WK. This is Andrew WK. I'll be right back. A party for being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. 
Mark at WK with Andrew WK, only on the Blaze Radio Network. You're back with Andrew WK on the first ever episode of America WK. And I was talking to you about how I met Glenn Beck and how this whole radio program came to be. I, I've been on the Blaze, I think, three times total, twice on Glenn's show. And uh, before that, I've been on other news shows from time to time. I've been on Fox News quite a lot on the Red Eye program, um, even on Fox Business with Cavuto, which again makes makes no sense. It really doesn't. I know nothing about business. I mean, beyond having jobs and, and earning a living, but I'm no business expert. How? Why am I getting invited to do these things? I don't know. Uh, I'm not here to convince you that I, I should even be allowed to talk to you. All I'm saying is I'm thankful for it, and I'm going to try to not waste this opportunity. I also want to say that since this is my first episode, I humbly ask for your patience as I learn how to have a radio show. Uh, this is all brand new to me. I don't have 20 years of talk radio experience under my belt. I have zero talk radio experience under my belt. I'm making this up as I go along and trying to uh, make this worth your time listening. Uh, I, I, all I can say is it's only going to get better. If we're starting off at less than zero, I promise to make every episode to, uh, some kind of effort to bring it past <laughs> past zero. It's got to get better. But anyway, so one strange thing I was thinking about going into this first episode was I have gotten a lot of flack for being on Glenn Beck's show. I've gotten a lot of flack for going on Fox News. I've gotten a lot of flack for doing things that people didn't think I was supposed to do. Now, first of all, I found that strange because I've never identified uh, with any political party. I, I've never privately or publicly announced anything about any of that. I'm being 100% sincere that I just didn't go down that road in life. So I guess, what? how do you label someone like that? Are they independent? They change with the wind. I remember hearing some saying that if you're in the middle, uh, that God doesn't like you. You're supposed to either be hot or cold. And if you're lukewarm or tepid, then God spits you from his mouth. And I understand that idea. People like to know where people stand. I stand in goodwill. I stand in open-mindedness, an open-mindedness that is so open that it even questions the value of being open-minded in the first place. I'm here to learn. I, I'm, I'm interested in truth. I'm interested in trying to reach a, a higher level of, of human beingness. Really, I'm interested in life. I'm not interested in arguing. I don't enjoy it. Um, I enjoy the entertainment value of seeing people debate and make strong points and try to prove their point of view or defeat someone else's. But it's still not as interesting to me as other things. And I'm just not very good at it. I think that's why, as far as this show goes, I'm not going to even be going into those topics. I don't have anything to offer there. I mean, maybe as I'm learning and learning from you, I'll have more to offer. But I'm more interested in what makes life life. What is going on? What really is going on? Not in so much the outside world that we see and interact with, but the inner world, the inside version of your head, you know, like the feeling of what it is to be yourself. And of course, as soon as we start talking about these kinds of ideas, 
you enter into this realm of uh, sort of intangible concepts. The language starts to get a little slippery. It can sound a little stupid, I admit. But these are challenging concepts because of that. That doesn't mean they're not worthwhile. In fact, they may be more worthwhile and more important, more urgent than ever. How can we bring out the best in ourselves? Not so much the best in someone else, because that seems to be when we go into this territory of, of, of fighting and arguing. And I'll, I'll tell you, just... People wanted to argue with me about, for example, me having this radio show. The simplest answer when someone said, why, why would you ever go on a, uh, the Blaze or, or ha have a radio show on the Blaze or go on Glenn Beck's show? You don't agree with every single thing he says. First of all, I don't agree with every single thing of some of my best friends, people I've worked with for years, uh, my own family members. What am I going to cast them aside and, and not spend time with them because we don't agree? You could get along with people even if you think very different ways. Why? Because you can be civilized. You can be dignified. You can, you can have some type of noble aspirations where you carry yourself with a certain type of respect for other people, just like you'd want them to respect you for having a different idea. I mean, that's just the golden rule. So I always try to take that. It was exciting to me to go and hang out in a, a place or with people that were very different from me. Why would I only want to talk to people who thought the exact same way as I did? Why would I only want to be around the half of the world that views the world the way I do? I mean, really, how boring would it be if everyone thought the exact same way? That is not the point. The point is to aspire to some common shared sense of good and then allow each other the freedom within that to really do whatever we want, at least to think whatever we want. So I really like that idea that I could think very differently from maybe you, maybe Glenn Beck, maybe everybody at the Blaze and still be welcomed here. And that was certainly the spirit that Glenn approached me in. And I was really, really moved by that. Maybe I'm naive. Some people have said I'm being naive about this whole thing. I don't care. I'd rather be naive with that view in my heart and that mindset, then be cynical and not trust anybody. Life's too short to live that way, at least for me. And another thing that's strange, I will say, is over all these years, I haven't been invited to go on uh, what you call liberal shows, TV shows, uh, Democratic uh, Party events. To be honest, what's very surprising, as open-minded as, as that uh, that contingent usually presents themselves to be, I've been judged much more harshly by Democrats and liberals or what you call the left than I've ever been by the right or the conservatives or Republicans. I've been judged uh, as, you know, being stupid and uneducated, which I very well may be, but, you know, in a not polite, aggressive way from this other side that I thought was, you know, supposed to be much more tolerant. Uh, that was always very surprising. People say, why do you go on Fox News and you don't go on MSNBC? Well, MSNBC never invited me. I, I went on there one time uh, when I was actually talking about a very strange story I'll tell you about someday when I was made a, a cultural ambassador to the Middle East. Very intense story involving the State Department. We'll save that. Maybe I'll tell, tell you later on this episode. But anyway, you know, I'm not being asked to go on, on these other places. I go where I'm invited. I'm not going to force myself someplace. But I, it's been very interesting that, uh, you know, for example, uh, traditional libertarian groups have been much more welcoming to me 
than other other political groups that I would have imagined, you know, in, in my sort of naive political stance, I would have imagined these other people would have been, you know, kind of against long hair, bloody nose, crazy looking rock and roll guy. I thought, a you know, a Republican or conservative person would have thought I was someone to stay very far away from. So it's been, you know, very mind altering experience just having this chance to be here. You know, don't judge a book by its cover on both sides. Don't ever judge a book by its cover if you can help it. Read the whole book, and you know what? Even then, you don't have to always make a judgment. How open can we possibly keep our minds? You know, we'll talk more about that coming up in the next segment. But I I just want to say thank you again to Glenn Beck for giving me this chance, for you giving me this chance. I'm going to do my best to make this worth your time. I hope it has been so far. This is America WK. I am Andrew WK, and I will be right back. America WK with your host, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. The only radio show restoring your faith in humanity through the power of positive partying. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Hello, my name is Andrew WK. Thank you very much again for being here on my inaugural episode of America WK. I'm a rock and roller who has somehow found his way into the world of talk radio. It doesn't make any sense, but I am not questioning it. You are certainly welcome to question it. I encourage you to. But I'm just partying and trying to enjoy life and figure it out as I go along. We were talking a little bit uh, before the break there about how I wound up with this opportunity. It's not logical. There's no rhyme or reason to it. All I can say is that destiny has pulled me on this path, and I have accepted and followed. I want to be useful. I want to do things that are scary. I mean, part of me has been very nervous about this whole experience, but it's exciting to have something to be nervous about. You know, life isn't always supposed to be very comfortable and very easy and very predictable and very safe and very secure. You hope that you have an internal sense of security that allows you to do things that are actually quite scary. As they say, if you're never afraid, then you have no chance to be brave. So why not attack the world and and the opportunities that lie out there with a a type of courage that may even be, again, maybe even foolish courage or, or sort of a blind faith that you'll somehow land on your feet. And if you don't, then you'll probably wind up talking like I am talking right now. All right. Well, I want to talk about a little bit what we were mentioning before the break about open-mindedness, because I understand that uh, so much of the time it seems like we want to identify our point of view as being who we are. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, I think it's, again, it's probably impossible to, to not have some sense of who you are based on your opinions, your beliefs. They're very close and connected. But what about the version of yourself, the person that is inside before those beliefs? You know, who were you before an opinion came in? Where is the part inside your head that exists before these ideas come? You know, ahead of there, some particular opinion about a particular issue that then even, in fact, may change over time. Who is the self that's thinking all those things? You know, that seems to be the closest I can get at what a true idea of a person is. It's not their beliefs. It's not their opinions. It's the person that has those opinions. 
You know what I mean? It, it is hard to pin this down. So bear with me. I, I apologize. What I'm saying is that's, that's how I can interact and get along quite well with people who think very different than me because I don't think of their opinion as them. I don't think of their belief as who they are. I think of them as a person. They're not a Democrat. They're not a Republican. They're a human being who may identify themselves uh, with a particular point of view, who may have all kinds of opinions. If someone doesn't like eating pizza, I don't think of them as not like pizza. I think of them as a person who has their own particular taste in food. I like pizza very much, but I can still spend all kinds of excellent time with that person not necessarily eating pizza. And of course, pizza can seem very trivial, and it's not to disrespect these other weightier issues. It can really feel very much like the world is at stake, like this is life or death. And sometimes it, it, it very, well, very well may be. But can we even get along and, and go through life, even life and death situations, with some type of humanity? I mean, we have to. Otherwise, the life and death situation doesn't become so much about an actual life or death situation. It becomes a life or death or situation because we can't get along. I mean, we're going to create problems where... There really isn't one just because we, we can't live next to someone who thinks differently than us. We have to try to find that shared common ground, whatever, whenever possible. I mean, that's the, that's, that's the spirit of, of this show as far as I'm concerned, is trying to hold ourselves personally up to the highest level of quality that we can, certainly before we would hold others to it, but try to, uh, to evolve, not necessarily progress to any uh, different version of ourselves, but to the best most patient, most kind version of ourself as possible. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with feeling angry, but I don't think anger in itself should be the end result. It may be a byproduct. Even hatred can be a byproduct, but it shouldn't be the end. It should be a means to a higher end. I mean, really, I would like to try to feel in a very good, calm state all the time. Not in a bland sort of trance-induced state where I'm not thinking, you know, that then you're just blocking everything out in order to stay calm. But is it possible to be so elevated that you can actually use those emotions like anger and hatred to somehow improve your own state of mind? That, I, I sort of feel like every interaction, every thought, every belief, every consideration of someone else's belief is an opportunity to possibly grow, to possibly become a better version of yourself. And not better in a competitive way with someone else, not better in trying to outdo someone or to think of yourself as more righteous, but to think of ourselves as being competitive with, with yourself, really. I mean, that's the only person you really can compete with. I mean, maybe in business and sports and things like that, but you really just want to compete with yourself. Can you become better? It's easy to scoff at this. I, I understand. I find myself sometimes scoffing at these ideas. It's easy to blow them off. It's easy to think that it's unrealistic. It's easy to think that we'll never be able to attain these sort of higher states of being as, as individuals, as a nation, or as a globe, as a, as a civilization, as a planet. But that doesn't mean they're not worth at least considering. And maybe if we feel very opposed to them, maybe if they really strike us as being stupid, maybe then they're actually worth a little more contemplation. I always feel like the ideas that we're most offended by are just there to challenge us, not to agree with them, definitely not to always agree with them, but to think about them, to think them through. The things that really offend us, why do they offend us? 
if we're so strong and so sure and so certain in our beliefs, then we shouldn't be that threatened by a very different idea or belief. We should be able to contemplate it, if only to resolve and return to our original point of view, but with that much more experience, with that much more fortitude to embrace it wholeheartedly. It's not good to just stop thinking. That can never be the answer. And that's all open-mindedness is about. It's not about not having opinions or beliefs. It's just about thinking, about being a, a, a growing thinking person. I don't think life is about finding out one thought to think and then thinking forever without ever changing. Open-mindedness is just thinking up about life, thinking a lot cultivating some state of mind that allows you to live in as big a version of the world or as big a version of yourself as possible. A really, truly open mind. And it seems to tie in very much with an open heart. This has been Andrew WK, America WK. Thank you. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. This is a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. America WK, with your friend and mine, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, welcome back. It's America WK with your host, me, Andrew WK. Depression. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, this has been a, a lifelong battle. I was going to hesitate to use the word battle. Well, maybe I will. I'll say it's been a lifelong experience. In fact, I can say that bad feelings in general, whether they've been full-blown depression or slightly less intense versions of ex anger, extreme resentment, uh, jealousy, competition that was painful, sadness, confusion, a sense of complete uselessness, pointlessness, meaninglessness. A lot of those feelings have occupied a lot of my life, especially when I was younger. Uh, and actually, it's it's probably been the core motivation for everything I've done since the age of 18. As I was mentioning earlier in the show, uh, at 18, I moved to New York City, not sure exactly what I was going to do or be in life, but that I wanted to do something big. I wanted to find a mission that I could devote myself to, a mission that was bigger than myself, that was bigger than really my own personal interests, but yet that I could relate to in a personal way. And the simplest way to put it is is that I wanted to get cheered up and I wanted to cheer other people up. Uh, having struggled with so many bad feelings, especially, especially feelings that I've really experienced as dividing me from other people, pushing me away from the world. I felt a lot of anger and hatred towards just random people, not so much friends or family or uh, even people I was around regularly, at, like at school or jobs, but just random feelings of animosity towards the human race. And it felt horrible. I mean, in a way, at times, it may have been sort of emotionally thrilling whenever you feel real hate or anger, there is 
an undeniable kind of endorphin rush, a kind of adrenaline that involves itself there. If you've ever felt very angry, um, very resentful of someone, if you've ever disagreed with someone very passionately, you know there is this underlying, undeniable kind of charge, this kind of electrical energy that, that surges through you. I mean, it, it does get addictive. I think this, there are people, I've had friends that have had real anger problems where they like to get in bar fights and arguments with people and even try to get in arguments with me. And, and you could just tell that it's a, it was a kind of like a fix for them, like a junkie needing a, a, a hit. It was, you know, you could see it in their eyes. It, it came over them. And that must be very, very intense. I never experienced an addiction to anger, but I definitely got sick of feeling that way. I got sick of looking out at the world and not liking it. And part of me really believed that the world really was bad. And then part of me believed that there's no way that that could be true. And I was just seeing it wrong. How could I see it correctly? Uh, and it went beyond just the tr traditional half glass full or half empty theory of positive or negative. It was uh, the whole idea when I was at my worst was that the whole glass was a piece of crap and that the water was uh, polluted and even the air taking up the empty space was polluted air and that everything sucked even the way of thinking about a glass half full or empty sucked. I wanted to try to find a different way to look at the world and there was something deep inside, uh, whether you call it an instinct or a primal belief or an underlying almost animal hunch that the world was good, that existence was good, that there was a purpose amidst all of the stuff that maybe seemed chaotic about life uh, or, or even meaningless, that it wasn't, that I was seeing it the wrong way and that I had to find a way, no matter how long it took or how hard it was, to, f to see it the right way, to see it how it really was that life and the world is good, otherwise it wouldn't exist. Trying to convince myself that life was not meaningless, that there was a purpose to everything, including me and everyone else, uh, that's actually really become my main interest in life ever since I came up with the idea to try to change my mind in that way. And that began this lifelong adventure which has led me right up to this, this point right now, how to think and feel better about being alive. It, it may be impossible. I, I realize that. A lot of these concepts are what would be described as idealistic. But why not at least shoot for them, even if we fall short? That always seems to be an uh, irrefutable argument in favor of idealism. Is If you just settle for things being the way they are or being bad or that we're never going to figure things out, then you don't even have the motivation to try to improve them even a little bit. So they can only get worse. But if you hold up some kind of even semi-idealistic view, even if it's un unattainable, and you just get 0.0001% of the way there, that's an improvement. And maybe improving that little bit and, and seeing that it can work will motivate us to go a little bit further. And really, those improvements start, it seems, most effectively, inside yourself. And that's what I have been trying to do. And believe me, I still need as much improvement as anyone could possibly need anywhere in the world. I'm, I'm grappling with these challenges of bad feelings to this very day. Uh, but if I focus 
on thinking of these ideas, talking to you about them, it definitely helps me. I would be thrilled to think this could actually help someone else or that someone else could relate to what I'm talking about here. I, I don't like to feel like I'm the only one. I know I'm not. I think we're all going through some version of, of this in some way. We've, we, you can't be a human being and not think about what it means to be alive. It, it just seems like the most natural and, and, in fact, maybe the most important thing of all. Because if all the other struggles we're going through aren't somehow overshadowed by the ultimate questions, then why even bother going through anything? Then everything really does become meaningless. We want to stay focused first and foremost, not just on survival, but on what we can do with that survival. So with all those bad feelings in mind, especially from ages 13 to 18, I decided to try to find a mission that would involve feeling better, feeling better about life, not just personally, but the whole concept, the whole process of trying to be a happy person and not mindlessly happy, but deeply happy about existence. Happiness in a way where you didn't actually even have to be doing anything to make you happy. It didn't take a certain activity or certain distraction. You just realized that it was a beautiful thing to exist at all. And I decided that the most happy exciting concept or mindset that I could think of that would sort of fulfill that way of looking at the world was celebration, partying, celebrating life itself. And that's when I decided to do music because music to me was always the most immediate proof that life couldn't be bad, that, that if music exists, there's no way that life can be bad because music has always felt so good, undeniably good, not in an uh, an intellectual way, not in a uh, a mental way or a, a, a place of ideas or facts, in an internal way that I could count on every single time. I put on a song I liked to this very day. That same song can make me feel glad about life. And that was enough proof uh, to get me thinking maybe I was supposed to use this musical training to turn my life into something. And I recorded songs, began working on a rock and roll album. The album came out in 2001, toured the world for the next 10 years, and uh, wound my way up to here. But all throughout, the, the music was just a means to an end. It was all about this feeling of being glad that you're alive. And that's a real energy. It's not just, a, again, a concept or an idea. It's, a, it, it's an internal truth. This is America WK. Thank you for bearing with me on my first ever episode here. My name is Andrew WK, and we'll be right back. You're listening to America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Undisputed King of Party invites you to a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK. All right, you're back here with your host, Andrew WK. I just realized I have been talking 
for uh, many, many, many minutes now. And I am someone who can say uh, here in my first ever talk radio experience that I don't really like the sound of my own voice. I don't like listening to myself talk. This may be a problem. I might have to learn to tune myself out as I talk. It's very strange experience. This actually reminds me we should have guests just so we can hear someone else for a change rather than, than me just rambling on and on. And I really feel like I've been rambling. I ask for your forgiveness sincerely uh, as I stumble my way through this first ever episode of America WK. I, I can guarantee you I'm very motivated to get better at doing this. And that reminds me, please, let's make this interactive so that it's not all just about me talking. Uh, I'm going to set this up so we can do phone calls eventually. I, of course, in the meantime, can take any interaction or thoughts you, you have. Please tell them to me. Please give me your feedback. Uh, no need to be gentle. Be as brutal as you want. You can go to twitter.com slash Andrew WK, all one word, A-N-D-R-E-W-W-K, or facebook.com slash Andrew WK, or anywhere else really on the computer that uh, you can put my name into. Tell me if you have any ideas that could improve this. I really mean that. Um, I'm not afraid of comments. There's been times when it can be very painful, but uh, I've actually learned a great deal. Uh, by listening to people and what they think about what I'm putting out there. Because, again, this isn't just for me. I really want this to be useful. That is my main goal in life, to be useful. I mean, you can – there's there's a lot of reasons to try to do anything in life. Um, of course, the first one is to survive. You want to eat and have shelter and, and provide for the people around you. But then, like, after that, what do you got? You can try to earn money so you can buy stuff and – Certainly, there's a lot of nice material objects, very beautiful, sometimes very useful, practical objects that you can spend money on. Uh, you can also certainly spend money on experiences, traveling, uh, accumulating ex you know, impacts on your own mind. That always seems like a good use for money. But after a while, it's, it's, it does start to seem like working just to make money isn't that satisfying. It's satisfying in the outward sense, in the material sense, in the ability to accumulate wealth for the outside world, you know, buying stuff, manipulating matter. But the inner life, the inside part, it feels like you should work towards being useful, not just helpful. I was careful about the word help because I think about that, you know, people should be able to help themselves. If someone says that, you know, a song of mine, for example, really helped them, I, I first of all, I really appreciate that. I appreciate especially that they're even listening to the, the music I've recorded at all. But I also just try to remind them that they chose to find that help inside that song. I mean, they've got to take credit for that. I, really, the most important reason to take credit for that is so that you can find those kinds of uh, helpful inspirations or powers in all kinds of stuff that you encounter and ultimately realize that it's all inside you. You're seeing it reflected. You're seeing those qualities inside yourself reflected in these outside things like a song uh, or a place or a person. And, and we can help each other directly. We can have a direct impact on the inner life of someone else. But it really is up to that individual to let that impact happen. So it, it always takes, takes both people. You can't help someone that doesn't want to be helped, and you can't be useful to someone who doesn't want what you're offering to give them. But that is my main goal. I want to try to, you know, have contributed something of value 
I always imagine if you're on your deathbed that you get this incredible clarity. You know, hopefully you get this, you know, far be- before you're ever thinking about actually dying. But sometimes it's helpful to imagine these extreme situations in life like being on your bed or on some kind of bed, hopefully on a bed. I mean, who knows? Gosh, you can die in all kinds of non-bed-based scenarios. So let's just say you're about to die. And of course, there's that idea that your whole life flashes before your eyes. You'd like to think that there's this sense of clarity that you get, almost sort of this, I can't believe all along that this is what it was really all about. And maybe I saw it, a bit of that. Maybe I got glimpses of that truth but now it's all revealed to me here at the last second, and I can't even do anything. Now, here I am with all this insight, this enlightenment about what life is really about, and it's too late to apply it. It's too late to, to use this, this breakthrough knowledge. How can we get to that kind of clarity before that happens? Like, what is life really all about? Well, certainly it seems that trying to serve a common sense of goodness in the world, that just seems like the most obvious. I mean, all the people that I have most admired, most of them aren't famous or people that anyone's really heard of. They were just people that did something nice for somebody else that they didn't have to do, that didn't really benefit them in any direct way. They might not even actually have felt that good about what they did. I see that all the time. I mean, there's a sense that when you do something gracious or generous or selfless, that you actually feel really good inside and that motivates you to do it. The sort of a reward in your internal feeling. But some people, I, they don't even get an internal reward. It just doesn't even occur to them. They, they just seem to have figured out that that's how life works. I don't know if I can even imagine living that way. It's just something I tr- try to keep in mind. I mean, can you, can you imagine uh, the, the amount of sacrifice that some people are willing to, to give in order to help other people, uh, that some people that just seems like what life is. They don't imagine sort of fulfilling dreams, personal ambitions, success. I never really thought about that until very recently. There's some people that it never occurred to them like, oh, I want to make a lot of money so I can live really comfortably and have a lot of nice things. And, you know, that's success. They have this whole other different version of the world where you just take this chance of being alive and try to make other people have a nicer life. It's really a staggering concept. Of course, I'm sure we've all thought about that. We're all very aware of that. It's, it's also very easy to criticize that type of, uh, of existence. Maybe it doesn't you know, really uphold civilization if everybody did that. I mean, what would happen if everybody did that? What would happen if everybody just looked out for everybody else only? I can't even really imagine. Maybe everything would collapse. I mean, certainly so much of our society is based on not doing that, that it probably would collapse. It would be a a whole different version of what it is to be a human being alive on the earth. Maybe it wouldn't even be fun. Maybe it would be very boring. Uh, it's, it's, it, these are ideas that are, are are really are hard to fathom, but we can certainly imagine a, a very simplified, uh, smaller version of that. Just the way I think of it is just trying not to be a jerk. Just trying to be a little nicer in general, especially starting with the people immediately around you, with friends and family. That's why it's hard to even, you know, talk about all these big issues around the world that we are that are important, no doubt, that, that we're all invested in one way or another. But it is a bit embarrassing to be so passionately debating those issues when we have trouble even just getting along 
with our own family or our, our, our being good friends or, you know, being kind to strangers or, or driving with some kind of common courtesy for other drivers. I mean, road rage, that, that's something I've struggled with immensely. And here I am complaining about someone else not being a, a noble enough person, yet when I'm driving, I'm playing all kinds of crazy games with the other drivers and trying to cut them off if they cut me off. And, and who is that? How, why does that happen? How does this, this transportation activity bring out the worst in me? It's very, very strange. I don't know if you're listening to this right now, possibly while you're driving. That's a, that's a, a wonderful place to try to just make small improvements. I really think that's the way to do it. Because you at least catch yourself. You, you f start to notice, like, wow, I, I don't feel very good right now. I'm driving like a total jerk. I'm noticing everybody else driving like jerks. The car does something where it separates the humanity from, from, from us. The car becomes this weird convoluted kind of robot face with the brain inside of it. I'll be right back. This is America WK. A party for being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK. On the Blaze Radio Network. Now, the king of partying himself, your friend and mine, Andrew WK. I am Andrew WK, first ever episode unfolding, for better or worse, right here in front of you. And really, if you've stayed with me this long, I cannot thank you enough. It really means a huge amount to me, and I promise I will make this worth your while as best I can. We were talking about driving, and I was just saying that that seems to be, for me at least, a really useful, very simple, very focused, very pure opportunity to try to be a better person. I know it can sound silly. This can sound silly because it seems so trivial, but it's something that most of us are doing every day. Driving can be, depending where you live, it can be a huge part of your life. I mean, the amount of time you spend in this car. So it actually is a great and very, again, very simplified version of sort of civilization. You're, you're on this strange version of a planet called the roads, dealing with people, sort of strange versions of people called drivers in these strange sort of bodies called cars. How can we be better in that situation? And it does seem like, and I've noticed this from my little efforts, I mean, again, I'll, I'll be in these high-minded states and thinking I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to get control over my anger. I'm going to get control over my emotions, and I'm really going to do it this time. And then I would go and run an errand, and within five seconds of hitting the road, just completely lose all my composure. All that high-minded stuff would just fly out the window and I would be acting like a total bad guy, you know, uh, embarrassingly bad. Cursing, resenting people, you know, intentionally trying to be bad and angry and just feeling awful and, and, and then catching it and saying, holy cow, how did that happen so quickly? What is it, what is it about driving? The only thing that, that seems to account for that is, again, this distance that the car itself creates between us. I mean, if you actually imagine living in New York City for so many years, I actually didn't drive that often, mostly just walking around or on the subway, and you're surrounded very closely by people. But the person is actually there. 
There's no car around that person. It's just the person. You can see their face right there. You can reach out and touch them. In fact, you're inadvertently touching each other all the time because it's so cl close, very close quarters. So you can't help but see the human being in front of you. And that seems to allow people to act way better. I've never, ever, ever felt that kind of anger and resentment and twisted evil desires uh, that I felt driving while walking around amidst people. Even very crowded times when I was in a huge hurry, in a huge rush, feeling in a bad mood otherwise, it just doesn't come out of you when you can see that person there. So with driving, it seems to me like a great chance to try to get control of those emotions in that driving setting. Because it's so, again, so simple, so basic. I mean, of course, you want to stay focused on the road. But I actually, of course, think that trying to be a nicer person while you're driving probably makes you a better driver, certainly a safer driver. You see these people making crazy moves and you get angry, but then you're making crazy moves. Let's try to <laughs> improve our character in these simple ways. It's, it's, it's very similar, actually, to the kind of patience and restraint that it takes to not speak unkindly. Not speaking unkindly is challenging. Not thinking unkind thoughts is, I mean, that can feel impossible. That can feel like holding your breath for 10 minutes. Uh, that takes a real resilience. What is it about certain people that just makes those challenges so easy? I, I, I have many, many friends. Well, I, I don't want to say many. Actually, I think this is quite a rare quality. I have certain friends and family members that I think were born without a mean streak, really just do not have that in them. I don't think they could show any of those emotions unless they really made an effort to get angry, to get resentful, to be impatient, to be unkind, to bash, to criticize, to argue. It just doesn't occur to them. In fact, it's so powerful and so particular and so strong in these angelic people I think that's their gift. As much as Michael Jordan was gifted athletically, as much as Einstein was gifted uh, mentally, as much as someone could be gifted in the arts, I think certain people are gifted in their human character. They were just born that way. They don't have to work at it like I, I do, for example, where it takes extreme dedicated effort. As much effort, I mean, I've put in, in, in more effort in just to trying to not be in a bad mood more effort in that than anything else. It's, it's the most bizarre phenomenon when you think about it. I can work very hard, let's say, recording an album or traveling around playing concerts or even working on this radio show. And it, I mean, it, it's physically demanding. You know, headbanging and bashing on my piano uh, on stage takes a physical effort. But it doesn't compare in the slightest to the physical effort it takes me just to not think bad or mean thoughts. That's strange. I mean, I actually never had really, never had it occurred to me how hard I could work. I could stay up for three days straight without any actual, without any drugs even necessary to, to and record nonstop working and driving and pushing and, and slaving away at some physical task. Yet the task of just changing my thoughts or my mind or my internal emotions, getting control of my emotions felt like climbing Mount Everest. Not that I would know what it's like to climb Mount Everest, but the hardest t challenge that I can imagine, that's how challenging this stuff is for me. Yet other people, it doesn't even cross their mind to think 
resentful thoughts about someone. I'll think resentful thoughts about strangers, about people that I've never met at all and think, oh, I hate that person or that person sucks. And there's some people that are just, I think they're divine. I think that they're teachers, even if they don't formally teach, just being around someone who naturally is good in that way, whose gift it has been to just be nice in that way. Effortlessly kind people. They must be there not just to be kind, but to be learned from. They're role models. I mean, if, if you have Michael Jordan as a role model for basketball, why can't we have a role model of someone who just has this gift of kindness? I mean, I have it. My mom has that that quality. Just it's her natural disposition. I don't think it, it, it really occurs to her to be angry in the ways that I've felt most of my life. It's just not part of her makeup, her design. Why is that? Maybe there's some reason that for so many of us, at least for me, we have to go through these struggles. We're trying to improve ourselves and maybe there's, you have to earn it. You know, for those that it comes so easy to, uh, I'm sure they're striving in other ways. You know, everyone has their own challenges. But getting control of the emotions uh, and the mind, this inner life, maybe that's the real life. Here I am working on all this outside projects, you know, moving objects around, building things, making things, crafting things, traveling around. And all the while, the real life, not saying it's the better life, but life as far as you experience it as a person, it's all happening inside. And what is going on in there? Is it just a war zone, a battlefield, violent, chaotic place of misery? How can, we, how can we fix the outside world if that inside world is just a complete mess? That's what I'm wondering. I've got to focus on that first, personally, if I'm going to have any hope of, of trying to have a positive impact on the outside world. This is Andrew WK. I'll be right back. America WK with your host, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. Listening to America WK with Andrew WK. All right, we're back. First ever episode of America WK. I promise this will get better. I really, really do. Thank you so much for sticking with me through this first episode, assuming that you made it all the way to the end. Maybe you even fast forwarded somehow. Uh, I am humbled to have had this chance to do this with you. We were talking about improving yourself. Uh, your inner life, your thoughts, your spiritual side, your soul. There's many ways to define the inner workings of a person. But one thing I really try to keep in mind, because it gets very easy to start thinking you're getting better. And as you're getting better, it's great because you're getting better than other people. You're really just getting better than yourself. That's the whole point. It's not to then become enlightened and, oh, I'm more enlightened than that other person. And ah, look how advanced I am that I've conquered all these emotional problems. It's too bad that other person hasn't. It is, it is completely a competition and a challenge within yourself. And if anything, you just hopefully develop even more sympathy and even more compassion for everyone else that may be struggling with these same, these same challenges. I, I've definitely noticed that 
when I'm thinking about this stuff, when I'm in this mindset, trying to become a better person, and I notice someone else behaving in a way that maybe is not so good, someone impatient, I see it a lot at, at airports, but how many times have I been that person? You know, rather than thinking, oh, what a jerk, I actually just feel embarrassed immediately recalling every instance that I had behaved in that exact same way. I feel endless sympathy for that person and, and not that I'm happy for them, one, feeling bad or acting like a jerk, but just ah, compassion. That's what, that's what you end up feeling. It somehow connects you with everybody else's bad behavior uh, and not necessarily a, a very good way. I mean, it, it, it could be very painful to be that much more aware of everyone else's struggles, but it's there, you know, maybe the good thing is in that moment at the airport, for example, going through the security line when someone's very impatient, uh, maybe they're late for a flight. And now I would try to just say, Hey, you can go in front of me in the old days, meaning even two weeks ago, I would have maybe uh, taken a slight pleasure in uh, making that person wait behind me. Uh, maybe even try to go a little slower myself just to aggravate them more. Why? What, 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 cruelty is inside me that would ever motivate that you know and even if I still it, it still may even occur to me initially to try to hold that person up or try to play some little game and now I, I, I at least now I can recognize that and now I'm motivated to say no Andrew don't be a jerk you've got to be good you got to make an effort here that's what this is all about and then I do try to make that effort I got to admit another thing um, in those years and someday I'll tell you more about this, my personal struggles. I was a very devious kid who got in a lot of trouble, not in maybe what would be called a traditional sense. I mean, I, I, I never got arrested. There was never problems with, with drugs or really with school. I would cause trouble in a very specific way. I liked to trick people. And I like to make people feel bad. And it remains the greatest shame of my life. Actually, I feel like a lot of my life, as I had mentioned before, has is, is been an effort to make up for that. Um, not to just repent for it in some way or be forgiven for it, but to try to find another way to be because those impulses have been so strong. So I would get in a lot of trouble doing uh, like tricks on people, uh, and not just practical jokes, but very mean-spirited tricks, pranks, um, very complex forms of arson and vandalism that were meant to complicate people's lives, that were meant to uh, take my very close friends and turn their lives upside down in very alarming and confusing ways. It's a lot to go into, but in the process... Of these escapades, I was sent by my parents to see a child psychologist. And after many sessions, his diagnosis at the end was, well, Andrew has a devilish side. And that was it. That was all he had to say. That was what we took away from all these child psychology sessions was that I have a devilish side. And basically, I have to learn what to do about that. And that has been uh, probably the underlying story of all my life since is trying to f get rid of it or or handle it or or transmute it into something not devilish i don't know if i'll ever be able to say it's angelic but it's not that's the thing i wasn't someone who was born positive i think a lot of 
folks that are very familiar with my work think that about me, that, I, that I'm this naturally positive person who has it all figured out. It is the exact opposite. I'm someone who's been naturally extraordinarily negative, uh, maybe even what you might call ha- uh, someone who has evil impulses. But bigger than those evil impulses was another impulse that said there has to be another way. As far as that classic illustration of a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other whispering into my head, that has been my experience in life. And they both have had very strong voices at times, and especially between ages 13 and 18, uh, that devil voice was much, much, much louder, or, or at least I chose to give in to it. And there was other times in my life where I gave back into it with a vengeance, wholeheartedly gave up on ever trying to tune in 100% to the angelic voice. And maybe I'll never tune in. Maybe no one ever tunes in 100% to the angelic voice automatically. Maybe you always still have to choose it. It's an active decision every day to strive for goodness in very small ways, being patient, not saying the mean thing that doesn't need to be said, not stirring up drama and conflict when there's really no reason for it and it won't accomplish anything, trying to be nice. And again, that can seem futile, unrealistic. It can even seem immature or naive, but I feel like it's an ideal that is worth at least considering because it's so simple and it's so pure and it's something within reach for everybody. We were all very nice at one point when we were young children, and it's a shame to think that those initial instincts and impulses when we were humans in the purest form have to be abandoned. Maybe that's the goal, is to figure out how to retain those as we become what might be best described as true mature adults. Well, this is the first episode. I can't believe it happened. I promise I'll get better. Thank you very, very much for partying with me on America WK. It's a privilege to be with you. This has been Andrew WK. Goodbye. A party for being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK. On the Blaze Radio Network.